Okay, so if you have your Bibles, um, if you don't have one, then share, go on the internet. If you still have internet, if you don't have internet, I'm just going to try to read slow. So Acts chapter 27, verses 13 through 44. And the message I'm going to preach to you is called Don't Jump Ship. Don't Jump Ship. We're going to read from a story where Paul is a prisoner, and he's on his way to stand trial. And he's a prisoner on a boat, and he's on this boat, and a storm breaks out on the boat. And we're going to pick up in verse 13 when this storm starts to begin. It says, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. And I was looking at that verse this morning, and I was thinking, like, isn't that what this news about the coronavirus started out? It felt like a light wind at first. It felt like, you know, a a month or so ago, two months ago, you heard about this virus that broke out in a foreign country, and you're like, huh, felt like a little light wind coming in. And and at that point, I think we all thought everything was going to be fine. I mean, I just was coming to church as normal, hanging out with my kids, um, like normal, and, 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 and weeks later, nothing was normal. But it kind of felt like that. I was thinking about that. And the Bible says, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called the Northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. I want you to catch that real quick. It started out as a light wind blowing from the south, breeze in, I don't have any hair, but breeze in, if my hair was long and it was the 70s or whatever, a breeze, and they pulled up anchor, and they sailed, and they were headed in a direction, but it all changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength burst across the island and blew them away from the direction that they were headed. Doesn't this time feel like that? I mean, even for me, I mean, I just became the lead pastor of Oasis Church five months ago. Our church was growing. We were coming out a couple weeks ago. We had a donut truck, and people out there are taking photo photo ops with the donuts. They were spitting them on their fingers, and next thing you know, we can't even come here. Typhoon-type winds just blowing us in a completely different direction. And it would be one thing if I could just turn everything around and I could control things like sometimes we can usually do. It'd be one thing if I could have a meeting and if I could, I can't preach my way out of it, I can't meet my way out of it. We've lost complete control and it kind of feels like we are out to sea. The Bible says in verse 15 that these sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale, which is the wind. And it says, we sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named uh, Quauta, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being toyed, towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the whole of the ship to strengthen it. And this is literally when they would just throw a rope, and sometimes people would jump in the water and swim the rope underneath the ship to try to stabilize the direction they were trying to go. And it says they were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Syrtis off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship 
and were driven before the wind. Back in the day when this would happen, if the, the waves got really high, they would drop as many anchors as they could to try to steady the direction. It says, the next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing cargo overboard. It's getting worse every single day. Does that sound familiar? It says the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Nobody had any hope. Got worse every single day until hope was gone. And as I was praying for you and our city and our nation, I feel like it's the same situation. It gets worse every day. You know, you were like kind of at home and, you know, you were a couple of weeks ago, you were going to the restaurant. And if somebody coughed, you're like staying away a little bit. You got your coffee and you're like kind of trying not to shake hands. We went from not shaking hands and not giving hugs to not even being able to be in human contact with anybody but our immediate family. It is situations like this that can leave you feeling like all hope is gone. God, where are you? Then it goes and it says no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Wait a minute. I want to just rewind back a little bit because I don't know if you heard me mention Paul was a prisoner on this ship. He was literally cargo. He was not in charge. He was not a leader. There was a captain of the ship and a crew on the ship. And it seems as if Paul, but arguably the only person on the ship who knew God, was watching chaos break out and doing nothing. He didn't lead a Bible study. He didn't call a meeting. He didn't say a prayer. But at the moment hope was gone, a believer spoke up. And became the leader of the boat. I want to tell you something that was tough for me to swallow as I was praying this morning. One of the reasons why God allows things like this to happen is because God wants old ships to have new captains. He wants old ships to have new captains. What do I mean by that? I mean... Is your life an old ship? You've been doing things your own way forever. You've been doing, spending money your own way, and you've been living life however you want it, and, and, and now your life in this situation might need a new captain. I can tell you that happened to me where I literally hit a storm in my life at 30 years old. This was 13 years ago, and I thought I had everything figured out. I I thought I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I thought I had everything mapped out, and I was headed the right direction. And all of a sudden, a storm hit my life, and the old ship that was my life needed a new captain, and that captain was Jesus. There's places all over the world, even in our church, 
our old ship. We've been a church for 35 years, and although I have the title of lead pastor, guess what? Our tech team is in charge right now. I don't know how to use the cameras. I can't even hardly log on to the internet. Matter of fact, I just got ear pods three months ago. One around with the wires. Everybody had earbuds, and I didn't have ear. I call them ear pods. See? I'm not the captain of this ship anymore. I've never sent so many text messages in my life. I'm having people pray for me who aren't even believers. I'm like, I don't even know if you believe in Jesus, but can you pray? I'm not the captain of this ship. The old ship called the church doesn't need a new captain. It needs the same captain that it was always meant to have, Jesus. And pastors and leaders feel out of control, but Jesus knows exactly what he is doing. I want to ask you a question. Does your old ship need a new captain? That old relationship? Ooh, that was good. Relationship. Get it? Old ship, relationship. Come on, you sitting next to somebody right now that this might be the last time you sit. Matter of fact, social distance right now. You know he, you know he doesn't cheat on social distance from him right now. That's really funny. That's really funny. I'm getting feedback, but this is some good feedback for you. This is some good feedback. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but hey, it's okay. God wants old ships to to get some new captains. And so here's the thing. Paul was a prisoner, and now he's leading. And he goes, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and this loss. But watch this. He says, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. There's some things that are going to go down. I'm not going to lie to you. But none of you will lose your lives, which means that you will have the opportunity to experience rebuilding and resurrection. And Paul says this, For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. It doesn't say that they needed to believe. As long as they were on the boat of the believer, they were good. I've been sent by God to tell you, what boat are you on in this season? In the Old Testament, there's a story of a captain of a boat, and his name was Noah. And the Bible says that everyone and everything that was on that boat would be rescued from what was going on in the world. And now in the New Testament, the only other story of a boat rescuing somebody, it says that everyone who was with Paul, they didn't have to believe what, God, what Paul believed. They just had to be on the same boat. I want to, as the pastor of Oasis Church, you don't have to believe what I believe. You don't have to believe what Christians believe, but there is a boat called the church, and I believe if you would just get in the boat, whether you believe it or not, just get in the boat, God will bring salvation because the believer is in the boat with you. That is for somebody. I'm just going to let that sink in for me. This is good. Oh, I can't get closer than six feet, so I got to come back over here. But we got to let that sink in. Did you hear what I just said? I didn't say that you had to believe. You just had to get in. The ark in the Old Testament, this, this boat, God's in his goodness has granted safety. Not because you're good. Not because you did the right things. 
but because God is good. And then Paul says, so take courage, for I believe God. You don't have to. I believe God. There's somebody who's watching me right now. You don't believe anything I'm saying, but I do. And because I do, you will see the salvation of the Lord in Jesus' name. I'm clapping right now, and I'm here by myself. I feel the Lord so strong on this. God is And his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be. Listen to this line. Hey, we will be shipwrecked on an island. Then it says about midnight on the 14th night of the storm. How long, if you're feeling any symptoms, how long are they saying that you got to ride out this, this thing? 14. It says on the 14th night. Of the storm, as they were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors since land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found out it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would be soon driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to jump ship. They tried to abandoned the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they thought they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Paul saved their lives, and he was a prisoner. I was praying this morning, and God told me to tell somebody, I don't know if you feel that you are in bondage. I don't know if you're in bondage to anxiety, if you feel like you're a prisoner to depression, a prisoner to anxiety, a prisoner to fear. But God wanted me to tell you that prisoners who become listeners will become liberators. Prisoners who become listeners to Jesus will become liberators to others. Paul was a prisoner. He listened to God, and he liberated everybody around him. Can you imagine, no matter what you feel like today, you might feel like a prisoner, but if you would just be a listener to Jesus, you would go from a prisoner to a listener to a liberator all in a moment. I'm believing that for you. No matter what you feel like holds you captive. It says in verse 33, just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Please eat something now for your own good. And then he goes, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Woo, your hair is going to look right. Come on, somebody got a perm right now. You can't even go to the beauty salon. That's for you. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God before them all. Paul was a prisoner caught in the same storm they were, and he thanked God in front of them. If you are a believer and you are watching this, I feel trapped in my house with elementary kids, and I'm in the same storm as you, but I feel like I need to start thanking God in front of people for what we do have for what we do believe. He says he thanked God in front of them and broke off a piece and ate it. And then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 
276 of us who were on board. Then everyone was encouraged, all 276. They were breaking the gathering law at this time because we can't have 276 people here. But you get the point. And it says, after eating, the crew lightened the ship even further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. They were so at peace, they threw food overboard. Oh, we're going to be good. We're, we're going to throw some stuff. Don't do that. Don't throw any toilet paper overboard either or hand sanitizer. You bring it to me. It says in verse 39, when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed to shore. But they hit a shoal and round the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. The soldiers were still worried about their jobs, so they were going to kill the prisoners but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely to shore. Well, I know what you might be thinking because I just thought the same thing. Wait a minute, I thought you said this message was called don't jump ship. I want you to realize that what saved them was the broken pieces of the ship. I don't understand God as much I would, as I would like to, but I don't understand why God would save people through broken pieces. I don't know why God would allow me to preach a message of salvation when I'm a broken piece of this ship called the body of Christ. But God allows people to be saved by holding on to broken pieces. And you might be right there in your living room feeling like a broken piece, and I want to let you know God is holding on to you. Here's the thing. I'm going to invite the worship team to do what they do, which is play stuff while I pray. Um, but I want you to realize that there is one part of this story that I did not elaborate on, and that is they got rid of the lifeboat. They got rid of the lifeboat. Paul told them their ship would be shipwrecked, and they got rid of the lifeboat. The lifeboat, and um, salvation had to come through God. And I want to encourage you, there is no plan B for salvation. The only way is Jesus. And I don't think that God, hear what I'm saying, God did not create and send this coronavirus. I don't know if he created and sent the storm in this story we just read, but I know he didn't create or send a coronavirus. But I do know that God uses opportunities like this that people would get rid of their lifeboats, get rid of their plan B, and turn to the only way of salvation, and that is Jesus. I, I want you to bring uh, my, my friends. You probably should get on the other end of that and keep the six feet, but that's okay. Yeah, that's about six feet. Great, great. 
Um, we all have a choice. We are faced with a pandemic and fear is sweeping across this nation and this world. In the Old Testament, there was a boat called the Ark. In the New Testament, Jesus spent a lot of time in boats, actually. And I believe the church, not just the building, I'm talking about the body of Christ. Faith in Jesus is a boat. And we all have a life raft that we can climb into. And some people during this time, they say, look at what's going on in the world. I just lost my job. There's no way God is real. I'm not going to have anything to do with the church. I'm going to roll my way out of this myself. This is proof I can't rely on God. So let me just get in the boat of my own ideas, the boat of my own beliefs, the boat of doing life my own way, because it looks like I'm going to have to save myself. Interesting enough, this boat is a similar size to a coffin. And uh, I used to have a boat like this. It's called my own life, my old life. And I would row and row and row and row, and I was exhausted. And so many parts of me died that didn't have to because I was in the wrong boat. And Jesus was faithful. Matter of fact, I think this boat is leaking right now as I'm sitting in it, and so is yours. It's leaking peace. It's leaking hope. Your boat is leaking. And you got to get out of it and say, I'm done with my own boat. I need to be a part of the church. I need to be a part of the body of Christ. And this is not a building. This is a people who are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. This is an invitation to royalty and sonship and daughtership and forgiveness and grace and love and hope when everything seems hopeless. And I want to invite you to get out of your lifeboat. There is no plan B for salvation. Jesus is the only way. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, there is no under, other name under heaven by which we can be saved. Simeon was waiting on a Savior. And maybe you are too. And I want to give you the opportunity to say right now that you want to be forgiven. Jesus took the punishment that we all deserve so that we can live the life that we don't deserve. And that's the beauty of his grace and the beauty of his love. In that moment, that thief on the cross that Jesus forgave didn't have a chance to do anything right. He was within moments of dying, and Jesus gave him something that is priceless. He said to him, we're going to hang out in the garden like Adam and Eve hung out in Eden, and I got a home for you. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples that he had to go, and his father's house had many rooms. There's plenty of room for you in the church, not the building, the church that is the body of Christ. There's plenty of room for you. All you got to do is say and admit humbly, 
I have sins and mistakes I need to be forgiven of. I want to get out of my own boat, and I want to be saved. And I want to believe that I was worth what Jesus did on the cross, that he loved me that much. And if you want to receive Jesus in your heart right now, just put your hand over your heart. And we pray this prayer together. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. I want him to come into my heart. I want him to come into my life. I'm admitting that I have sins, I have mistakes, I have failures, that I can't just try harder and do better. I need a Savior. So Jesus, would you be my Lord and would you be my Savior? Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen.